So we've been talking about the names of God. Today it's Jehovah-Rohi. Rohi meaning shepherd. So what is a shepherd? Shepherd is somebody that protects their sheep. The Webster definition of shepherd is somewhere in my notes, and I have no clue where I put them. (laughs) But they protect their sheep by killing wild animals. So when we think of David's life, several things come to mind. He killed the animals. He was a shepherd. He protected his sheep by killing the animals. He took food to his older brothers who were on the battlefront. We know that God instructed Samuel to anoint David. We see David fight and defeat the giant Goliath. David becomes friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. Saul wants to kill David out of jealousy. David becomes king of Israel in spite of Saul. David sins against God with Bathsheba. God forgives David, but David must still live with the consequences of his actions. David's son Absalom rebelled and is trying to take over the throne. David leaves Jerusalem because his life was threatened. It is in this setting that David writes the 23rd Psalm. You notice that David starts the Psalm out saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oops, sorry. Shepherds are referred to so many times in the Bible. Psalm 28, 8 through 9. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless the inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. David has invited the Lord to shepherd the people of Israel, to bear them up forever. In Isaiah 40, 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Isaiah gave us a beautiful description of exactly what a shepherd does. But as we said, what exactly is a shepherd? What do they do? Beloved, a shepherd is a common, ordinary man. They're not a king. They're not a prophet. A shepherd is just like us, ordinary people. A shepherd actually was the lowest man on the totem pole, so to speak. The task usually went to the youngest brother or the lowest of all people, the people that didn't have any value in society. Shepherds weren't much of anything. Shepherds were considered the lowest of low on the social ladder. A shepherd lives out in the fields with his flock, It's pretty skanky looking, gets pretty smelling, not well-dressed, not well-groomed, but he is responsible for tending to every need the flock has. He's responsible for each and every single sheep. Yet, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now here, remember, we're talking about the lowest of low, the person on the bottom of the rung, the person on the bottom of the ladder. People walk by and step over. They don't care. But Jesus came as the lowest of low for us to have an example of who a shepherd is. A shepherd is not the lowest of low in Jesus' kingdom. 
We just put them there in our world because they don't have the value that we see. Well, that was the same in David's age. The good shepherd guides their sheep to the right way to go. A shepherd is a protector. They keep their flock safe when trouble arises. When wolves or bears or other prey are nearby ready to attack and devour them. A shepherd is the sheep's lifeline to be able to survive and thrive even when the sheep goes astray. Think about it. When one little lamb has lost his way, the shepherd leaves the flock to go find that little lamb. He's going to guard, he's going to protect and love that little lamb, even though he was off doing his own thing. David did that in Samuel. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Samuel 30, 1 Samuel 34 30 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he had defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. That's powerful. And then Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, David recognizes God's presence in his life. David go on, goes on to say, I shall not want. Think about it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Does that mean that God is going to provide for all of our selfish desires? Because we think about it. Most of our desires are selfish. I want the new car. I want a new house. I want a new dress. I want a new outfit. I want, oh, I always want, I want, I want. But is that what God is saying? He says, I shall not want. David's telling us, I shall not want. But he's acknowledging that God knows what we need, when we need it, and God will fill those needs. It's not our selfish wants. I would like a new pair of shoes. Do I need a new pair of shoes? No. Does that mean God's going to give me a new pair of shoes because I want a new pair of shoes? No. He's going to fill what needs to be filled the desires of his heart for me, not the desires of my heart for the world stuff. Those don't matter. That's not what God's here to do. David is also recognizing that his personal perspective is not necessarily the same as God's. We all have wants and desires, but we need to go to the still calming water to see if our wants line up with our Father's plan. In verses 2 and 3 of the 23rd Psalm, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. To give you a little background, the green pastures David is referring to only come about two seasons a year, during spring and winter, over there. Fall and summer are hot, dry, dusty. There's little food for the sheep in the fields. Water's more scarce. 
The shepherd must be always moving their flock to a safe place where they can feed, drink, and rest in safety. The waters that come from the springs are more accessible to the sheep to drink from so that once the sheep were fed and watered, the sheep could lie down and rest and the shepherd would be on guard to protect. Here in Florida, we can kind of relate to that. Twice a year, we have green, plush, beautiful yards. And then comes the heat and the dry season. And our plush, beautiful green yards turn to brown, dusty, arid wastelands. And we're out watering and we're out trying to make it look good. But we're not tending to flocks of sheep. We're not shepherds for the sheep. We are shepherds in our community, don't get me wrong. We need to be shepherds for our communities. We need to be shepherds in our families. But we're not shepherds here in this instance. So let's face it, though. Sheep are dumb. Without shepherds guide, guiding the sheep, would, they would probably eat, drink, fall into the water, drown, or maybe they'd eat the brown, dead, drying grass and see the plush green grass over there and not bother to go. Because they don't care. They're lazy. Think about it. Have you ever watched sheep without a shepherd nearby? They cackle at each other. They stomp each other. They pick at each other. They beat each other up. Kind of like us. We do the same. We tend to wander off from God, just like sheeps do. Sheep, not sheeps. They get themselves into trouble. They do their own thing. In Psalm 119, 176, it says, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Shepherds have to keep watch, or their sheep are going to die. In this part of the psalm, David is reminding us that we don't always know what we need. There comes a time that we, like the sheep, need to find a time to refresh our bodies, listen to our minds and souls, and listen to God so that we can stop, breathe, and listen. We need to soak in the abundance of God's grace and rest in him. We have to be deliberate about it. We can't just wake up and run about our day. We must be deliberate in seeking God. We must find the time to be still, and listen. I think we're a lot smarter than the sheep, but we certainly have a lot of characteristics of the same. As I said, sheep are pretty dumb. I give us a little more credit. Sheep will just kill each other. Oh, wait, we do that. Sheep will beat each other up. We do that too. Sheep don't listen to their father. We do that too. But you know what? When the shepherd walks up to his flock of sheep, they all turn. They all look. They all listen. They all wait for direction. That's what we need to do. We, like the sheep, must find rest in our shepherd first. We must take time for our souls to be refreshed, renewed, and made whole again. If we're out on our own, we're going nowhere. We're just going to beat each other up. Have you ever been to a church where you've heard somebody say, Aw, bless her heart. She meant well. 
That's a nasty thing to say, but we do it. We do it because we're being sheep. We're beating each other up. God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't look at me and say, oh, well, she can't walk, I can't use her. <laughs> he doesn't look at Kristen and say, well, she's got pink hair, I'm not going to use her. He says, but you're my child. I love you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you. Just like the good shepherd protects his sheep. It's kind of cool to think that Jesus came down and said, I'm going to be your good shepherd. We must take time for our souls to be refreshed. We must take time for our souls to be refreshed in him. Not in each other. There is a time for every season in our life when we're supposed to be still and we're doing busy work. We're not fulfilling God's divine plan. We're just filling our own selfish desires. We find ourselves like the lost sheep, which just wander around aimlessly with no purpose, no direction, no guidance. We must be still and listen to God's still small voice. God's direction has a purpose for our lives. God has a plan for each of us, and he alone knows what is best for us. Some of you know, recently I took a couple days off, and I just went to Disney, and I needed time. It's not that I was doing bad things, but I was doing things, things, things God directed me to do. He's given me a passion for outreach. I was doing outreach. He's given me a passion to counsel. I was counseling people. He's given me a passion for so many things. And I was doing all those things. And they were great things. But they weren't God's things at that point. They were Debbie's things. I wasn't doing them for God. I was doing them because I needed to. It was my job, my responsibility. But it wasn't. And I had a friend that came to me. And she was friend enough to say to me, you need to stop. You need to step back. You need to start listening to God. So I took a couple days and I left. Just got away, didn't answer my phone. But in that time, I was able to say, okay, God, I just lost myself. I need you to direct me again. And he did. He stopped me right in my tracks where I was at and said, okay, now I'm going to pick you up. And I'm going to put you back where I started you. And now we'll refresh and renew and do what we need to do. But I could not have done that if I hadn't had a friend that said, get your act together, Deb. And if I hadn't had a father that said, here, I'm here. I know you lost your way. I know you lost sight of who I was in your life, who I am in your life. But it's okay, because we're going to start fresh. So he gave me time to refresh my soul and refresh my spirit. Beloved, David switches here from a beautiful, peaceful, serene scene with God guiding and directing us as a wonderful shepherd. And then he talks about valleys and darkness and death.
But I don't know that he means death of a body. But I'm thinking he's talking valleys. The valley of the shadow of death. For me, it's valleys. Because you know what? We live in a world of valleys. Every now and then we get to a mountaintop experience and those are awesome. We get to share our God sightings. We get to share the things that we do on the mountains. But we live in the valleys, people. Valleys are not a pretty place. Valleys have all kinds of heartbreak and despair. They have fears and, and things that we must traverse. The valley is different for each of us. The valley of the shadow of death is different for each of us. And they're different during each time in our lives. We have different seasons that we go through. For some of us, it's health issues. For some of us, it could be family struggles, health, medical, stressing over the finances, bosses maybe that are making too many demands on your lives and your time. Sometimes it's family that puts those stresses on us. Sometimes it's family that's not walking with God. We all have our own little valleys that we must walk through. David knew what he was speaking of when he penned this psalm. Think about the trials he had in his life. He had many trials. And here he was going through another. David learned to call upon God during these times. David knew that the shepherd's rod and staff were there for protection and direction. David knows firsthand what the rod and staff are for. He'd used them many times as a shepherd himself. He relied on them during his own struggle. The rod is used by shepherds to scare or beat anything that comes up and threatens his sheep. That's what God wants to do with us. Use that rod to protect us. The staff was used primarily for redirecting us and guiding us and gently pulling us back into the direction he wants us to go. It's kind of cool to think that two very similar utensils are used for two very different purposes. We have a rod to beat and protect and a staff to guide and protect. The best place to do to allow those rod and staff to, to protect you is beside the still waters in God's arms, listening to his voice. So I guess really David's discussion on, yea, through, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death isn't so dark, is it? Because it's talking about valleys, valleys that we live in. He's not talking about, as I said, mountaintop experiences, because mountaintop experiences are awesome. We all want them. We all have had them. We've talked about some today, but we live in the valleys. That's where God is, is in the valleys with us. So David bounces back and writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with the oil, and my cup runs over. So what is an enemy? Webster defines it as an antagonistic, being antagonistic to one another, one seeking to injure, overthrow, confuse, 
an opponent or something harmful or deadly. If we look at Webster's definition, we see that an enemy is not just a physical person, but something that destroys or harms us. 1 Peter 5 or 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. These enemies can be hiding in our own thoughts. Think of areas in your life that take your eyes off of God. Those are enemies. We have daily obstacles that are our, our enemies. Time, drugs, alcohol, work, no vehicle, money, fear. There's so many areas in our life that are enemies. And Satan knows how to use them. He puts those temptations in front of us to trip us up. Any area in our life that puts temptation in front of us is an enemy. Impure thoughts become enemies. Anything that causes us to stumble, causes hatred, jealousy, gossip, rage, self-ambition, those are enemies. So look back at your lonely sheep. When left without a net, a shepherd, they all fight, just like we do. They attack each other, just like we do. Some sheep will even follow other sheep off a cliff and die, kind of like we do. We may not physically die, but we certainly take a part of our life out of us when we do things like that. We do the same. I'm not saying we're dumb. We're human, which is why we need a shepherd, which is exactly why Jesus came here for us, because he knew we are going to make those same things, same choices, same mistakes. But he's here to correct us. He's here to guide us and direct us. Beloved, it is when we take our eyes off our Heavenly Father, our shepherd, that we too tend to walk blindly into temptation and arguing, bickering, jealousy, even gossip. Think of the areas in your life that cause you to struggle. These are the areas that God wants us to give to him so he can guide us, he can direct us, he can grow us, he can give you peace. You notice the pattern there? It's not so that You can give me peace. You can give me guidance. You can give me directions. It's so that he can. And I can only hear them when I'm watching him. When I'm watching our shepherd. When I get up in the morning and I call him into me. And I say, okay, God, guide me for the whole day. That's all he's waiting for. That's all he's waiting for. He's just waiting for you to call on him. Why do you think we as Christians knock each other down and beat each other up? Why do you think the world sees us as these two-faced, hypocritical, holier-than-thou righteous people? That's what they see. That's what they project from us. Because we talk out one hand and look at them with the other. We have to stop being the hypocrites that the world sees, because in so many ways they're right. 
So many ways they're right. We may not say it, but we make snap judgments. We'll look at somebody and say, oh, I'm just going to walk around the block because I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be responsible for But that's not what the good shepherd would have us do. He would have us go up and say, hi, do you need a hand? Hi. I just want you to know you have value. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. God loves you. And that you matter. But we don't do that. We beat each other up. Much like the sheep. But we tend to do that less when we keep our focus on Christ, when he is foremost in our thoughts. Because then there's nothing to gripe about. There's nothing to be nasty or gossip or bicker or pick about because it's God that's flowing through you out into the world. We wonder why the world sees us as two-faced hypocrites. That was, that's the enemy allowing your mind to wander away from godly things and focus on the world's point of view. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us, above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Those are the things that separate us from a right relationship with God. God doesn't ask us to dwell on the difficult things in our lives, but to look to him to calm our spirit to ease our hearts, to ease our minds. What a beautiful picture David painted for us. In David's day, a table was a feast. To eat at someone's table created a bond of loyalty and trust. There was more food and drink than anyone could possibly want to eat. At the table, the host would anoint his guest with a mixture of oil and fragrance and perfume. Our Father wants to anoint us. Our Father wants to fill our cups more than we could ever want. David points out that his cup runs over. Now remember, David is a shepherd, was a shepherd. A typical shepherd would hold, now this is not 40 or 50 gallons, but a typical shepherd's cup is 40 to 50 gallons. This is the size coffee cup I'd like to have. <laughs> but this is not the size cup I picture when I talk about, when I read my my cup runs over. This is more closely related to that size. That's a pretty big cup. Think about it. That's huge. And God just wants to pour into it so that it runs over. What a beautiful picture. That would fill more than my day. That would fill me for weeks. That's incredible to see that. And that's how God wants to bless us. That's how God wants to pour into us. Can you imagine how much more God wants to pour into us than we're accepting of him. We just take this little bit of water and say, okay, God, I'm good. That'll carry me through the day. And God says, no, I want to fill you to overflowing every single moment of every single day. 
think I'll take this one. I like that one. This one's pretty good. That's going to refresh my soul. It's going to renew my spirit. And when I feel dry and empty, it's going to fill me up. He fills us to overflowing so that we can be refreshed. When we're filled with God, there is no room for the world to sneak in and trip us up. John 10.10 says that thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How often do you come home from work, school, yes, and even church, and just feel drained, tired, maybe empty, broken, frustrated, maybe even a little desperate. You just want to shut out the world. Are you looking for someone else to fill your tank? Are you looking for someone else to uplift you and encourage you? Do you pick up the phone and call a friend? Do you pick up the phone and call a family member? Are you searching for someone to come fill your life and refresh your spirit? Beloved, God has patiently, patiently sitting right next to you. He's waiting for you to come to him, broken, empty, and ready to accept his refreshing fragrance to fill you up and pour out his oil into your life. God will fill every inch of your emptiness, every inch of your heartbreak, Your feelings and your feelings of despair in your life are gone with his anointing. But we must, must be deliberate in sitting down at his table to enjoy that. God wants to anoint us with his oil, which is his presence. He wants to anoint us with his fragrance, which is his peace. When we are in his presence, We feel those things. When we're empty, God fills us to overflowing. Psalm 143.8 says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Wow. That's where we need to be every morning. That's where we need to be every afternoon. That's where we need to be when our struggles come up, when our trials come up, when we doubt ourselves. We need to go back to that. Then David follows up with verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beloved, I pray that you can find comfort in the fact that God not only walks with us when we're struggling, but his mercy and grace follow us all throughout the day. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't go to lunch and say, hey, I'll come back. I'll get you back in half an hour. No, he's there all throughout our days, throughout an entire day. The Bible gives us a multitude of passages to remind us that God will never leave us or forsake us. I'm messing with this so bad. Sorry, guys. (laughs) But the Bible constantly reminds us 
that God is not going to leave us or forsake us. Joshua 1.9, Deuteronomy 31.6, 1 Chronicles 28.20, Haggai 1.13, so many more. Just go on the internet. Look it up, that God will not forsake us. Pages upon pages that the Bible says, but I love you, I got you, 24-7. When we say 24-7, do we mean 24-7? Nah. Nah, we look at our phones and go, eh, I'm not answering that at 6 a.m. God looks at your phone call and he says, I got you, honey. I'm right here. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He wants to be your first thought, your second thought, your third thought, your every thought. Because he will be your good shepherd and he will guide and direct you. You just have to listen. You have to want him to walk into the door of your life so that you can go, ah, there's my shepherd. There is my dad. He's going to love me no matter what. Beloved, not only do we get to walk with God here on earth, but when he comes back for us, we are promised a life for him for all eternity. That's forever and ever. We can't fathom that. We can't grasp that concept. But for all eternity, we have been chosen by God to dwell in his presence forever. Wow, that kind of leaves me breathless. And if that doesn't rattle your bones and make you want to go, thank you, God, I can't imagine what will. What a great reminder that what happens on this earth is just temporary. It's just a moment in time. It does not define us. It does not drive us to be who we are. God does that. We have a hope in Christ that only comes from him. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Think about it. God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans for good, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We have been promised by our Heavenly Father that we are his. And he is ours. He is our Father, our Shepherd, our Redeemer, and our Protector. Beloved, do you live in a way that reflects that peace and comfort in Christ, our Redeemer, to others? Can we truly say he is the only one we need? A shepherd has a great responsibility to lead his flock. A shepherd has to take great care for each, every single one of us. Do we live like he is our shepherd? Do we live like a flock of sheep? 
Do we look to our shepherd? Do we look to our father to find him and seek him, earnestly seek him every single day? We are his sheep. And we can easily be led astray. We just have to look to our Heavenly Father to guide us, direct us, and correct us. Nobody likes correction. But we need correction in our lives. For those of you that have kids, can you imagine never having corrected your children? I can't. I just can't. They would be people that I didn't like. But because I love them, but because I value who they are, I had to correct them. Tom had to correct them. Because we want them to be God-fearing, God-loving people. God does the same with us. I'm sure it grieves his heart every time I do something stupid and he's got to correct me. I'm sure he's just looking going, oh, really, Deb? I thought you got past this. But he is my father. He is my shepherd. He is my Jehovah Rohi, who says, I got to do this, Doug. You brought it on yourself. But I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guard you. But most of all, I'm going to protect you. Beloved, don't give up on our father, our shepherd, our redeemer, because he's not going to give up on you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us more than we can ever imagine. We thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for just being who you are and loving us enough to guide us, correct us, and direct us. We just ask that you keep our focus on you. Keep our minds alert. We just love you. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.